Well, hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Um, You may be aware that it's 100 years since the Bauhaus was uh, founded. That's the German art and design school, not the early 1980s faux uh, goth band led by Pete Murphy. Uh, Maxell breaks the sound barrier may mean something to some of you. Anyway... I thought we'd reach out to the Bauhaus folk, despite their somewhat uh, dubious uh, politics at times, um, for a little bit of sponsorship this week. Um, And so they said yes. The enemy of photography is the convention, the fixed rules of how to do. The salvation of photography comes from the experiment. Laszlo Maholi-Nage said that. Speaking of which, in the last week, um, I watched a film that a lot of you may have seen um, previously. Um, It's been out for a while. Uh, Shepard Fairey, um, the kind of graffiti artist, um, logo brand artist, skateboard artist, I suppose you can call him whatever you wish. um, But of course, most famous for creating the image of hope um, of Barack Obama. The film Obey Giant, the Art of Shepherd Fairy, is well worth watching and I recommend it. What was really interesting to me, I didn't know very much about him at all, but what was interesting was the discussion point, which I did know a little bit about, about the appropriation of the image from a photographer um, that he used for the Hope Obama um, poster that went completely viral and uh, became a a symbol, I suppose, for that election of that particular American president. Oh, how times have changed. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to touch on this because I suppose it's one of the key things that so many of us think about and talk about, which is the copyright of our images, uh, the misuse of our images. I was in uh, Vancouver earlier this year um, as I spoke about at a previous podcast, and a student came up to me and said, well, you're, the, you're the guy who did the Gillian Anderson photographs. And I was like, well, yeah, I have photographed her. And she proceeded to show me a whole load of images of Gillian. Uh, she was a big fan of the actress uh, that she'd found um, that I'd photographed. And what was bizarre about it was that these were images that I had sent to a client, but that had never been published. And somehow or other, these images had been put online and fan groups had been sharing them. I had no control. I obviously received no payment. And this is a constant discussion point for so many photographers. And I suppose the reason I'm mentioning the Shepard Fairey film was his kind of attitude, really, of how he found that image. It was very kind of uh, shallow, I suppose, as far as the research was concerned. He went on to Google. He was looking for a particular uh, type of image of Obama, um, which kind of echoed an image that he knew of Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, And he kind of saw a a sort of a symmetry between those two leaders. And he wanted to create a similar kind of image. He he Google searched, he found some images and he used them. Um, That was it. And as far as he was concerned, that was perfectly okay. I'm not going to go into this in great depth this week because it would just take up the whole podcast. But what really struck me, I suppose, was how an artist, somebody who really kind of um, 
had respect for his own work had so little respect for the photographer's work. As the film went on, um, a conclusion was reached, and I, and I think both the photographer and Ferry sort of got to a point of understanding. However, it doesn't remove that initial kind of idea that Ferry had that this was okay. I suppose the second thing that I hear so much about, and, and I'm most often asked about, actually, is how much should I get paid? How much should I get paid for doing a shoot or for selling an image or, or whatever it may be? But the payment is the key question I'm constantly asked. And I have a little thing that I go through um, with people, particularly with young photographers just starting out, um, that I kind of have a series of questions and I ask them and I ask them to ask those questions of themselves to reach a point of understanding. But I saw this posted um, the other day and I, I thought it was worth reading. It says this, at the end of the day, speaking as a former ad art director, advertising pays and anything else doesn't really come close. Making a standard base rate for all photography already exists. It's called minimum wage. It's a job. And if you're willing to shoot for that, then so be it. When your rate increases, this should be judged on experience and then quality of work. In advertising, the, the usual expected day rate is £3,000 per day. Don't flex on that. Not a single budge. Talking from an agency side, no one expects you to move on that. Where the flex should come in is on usage. Put a figure in over what you expect and then it allows wiggle. If the agency or client don't come back or say you're too expensive, then you are never going to get the job. Don't flex on your day rate, whether that be 200 euro or 3,000 pounds. This is your minimum wage. Once you move on that, unless it's for charity, then you will be expected to do so every time. Protect your worth. You will lose jobs on it, but long term, it will come back. Now, what I think is so useful about that is that it's coming from the side of the person who's commissioning. And this is what I say so often is that really you un need to understand, as we discussed last week, um, what's the situation from the commissioner's perspective? It's fine to hear from other photographers and it can be really useful. But at the end of the day, as this ad art director says, these are the rules from the other side of the game. And you really need to understand that. Can you imagine just asking questions about photography from an art director who's never taken a photograph and think that that's a really good idea? Well, no, you wouldn't. So why would you ask all of your information of a photographer who's never commissioned? Two sides there of valuing your work. Um, this week, uh, really pleased to uh, welcome to the podcast Venetia Dearden. Uh, Venetia's interest in photography began in her school darkroom. And then following an MA in anthropology and a postgraduate degree in photojournalism, she began a career in documentary photography in 2001. She was a member of the Seven Photo Agency from 2011 to 2013 and a project facilitator for Photo Voice. 
Her award-winning project of families living close to the land resulted in the publication of her first book, Somerset Stories, Five Penny Dreams, in 2008. Her second book, Glastonbury, Another Stage, was published in 2010 and is a seven-year portrait study of the UK festival. Uh, That work was also exhibited at the National Portrait Gallery in London. In 2011, her book Mulberry was published containing work created as part of a two-year collaboration um, with that uh, British luxury brand. A personal exploration of freedom and the American road trip followed in 2012 with her book Eight Days. Her passion for publishing books of her work continued in 2015 with Notes from Tangiers, documenting an assignment to Tangiers in 2013, where she had met the artist and publisher Elaine Apprentice. Venetia contributed to Rise, published in 2016, and commissioned by Geneva Global, and that documents women at work in Ethiopia. And in 200, uh, so excuse me, and in 2209 Women, that's a book and an exhibition, which is portraits of female MPs by female photographers. Uh, Venetia is presently based in Italy with her family, where she's exploring uh, new work and also raising her daughters. Two notions arrive with the question of what photography means to me. The first is being a photographer, and the second is the craft of photography. Between the lifestyle and understanding the technical aspects, it's a passage to a lifetime of inquiry. So here's a little of why it means so much to me. My photographic journey began in a pre-digital age when access to visual narrative came in magazines, weekly supplements and stacks of collected National Geographics. On paper, the world was lit up by extraordinary tales of the unknown. I was hungry for discovery and travel and I too wanted to contribute to this way of sharing the plights and delights of humanity and our environment. The internet was yet to explode and somehow the world seemed more mysterious. And the photographers that steered me in my teens were the ones then gracing the magazines. Alex Webb, Steve McCurry, David Dubley, Annie Leibovitz, and of course the early pioneers, William Eggleston, Ansel Adams, Cartier Bresson, Dorothea Lange, to name but a few. I remember finding a pinhole camera in our house when I was eight and I was entranced. The more I came to learn about photography, the more I was hooked. Light onto paper. It's alchemical making pictures, capturing moments in time. I loved finding old photographs of people, strangers staring right at me from fading paper. I was fascinated with them and their stories. I trained on slide film, a tough teacher. Exposures had to be bang on. With an artistic background, I was fascinated by the alignment of composition, light and expression. What makes a photograph stand out? Being a documentary photographer is a meditation of sorts, how you gently tune into the world around you and move so present yet unnoticed. For the practice, it required patience, observation and ensuring people around me feel safe. I was thrilled by the challenge of trying to get all these aspects right in a single second. During early assignments, I'd shoot hundreds of rolls of film and then find the best deal to process it all, often travelling across Europe, staying in cheap hotels, and waiting for a couple of days in anticipation to see the results of the weeks on the road. And then a collaboration with skilled printers and these expanding relationships became a crucial part of my creative process, not only helping me understand the craft, but offering a community, friendships and teachers, 
on a career path, it can generally be very solitary. Learning to make a living from photography can be more complicated. It's expensive, especially film photography, to which I've been committed to for a long time. From the outset, I had no choice but to say yes to anyone who asked me to work. Weddings, events, personal commissions, magazines. It was an honour to be asked and even more amazing to be paid. It took 10 years of jobbing and working hard on personal projects before my work got noted, and I was on the fringe of giving it all up. But my first commercial agent coincided with the publication of my first book in 2008. I discovered my work translated into advertising, which was a better pay than magazines. At the same time, my personal work began to get onto the walls of galleries and find a place there. And between all that, I could continue doing editorial work and traveling abroad and working for organizations. I juggled all the balls and worked around the clock. Like most photographers I know and respect, it takes hard graft. You have to inhabit the journey 100% to really make it happen. And as with any creative journey, tenacity, commitment and self-belief are vital ingredients. Sometimes you get lucky. A collision of a unique idea and a key signature style means that a lucky break happens. I experienced this with my first book, Somerset Stories, Five Penny Dreams. It really reignited my confidence. I began to engage with the industry as much as possible. Photographs need a platform, and finding this is as important as creating the images themselves. I constantly find myself at crossroads with photography, questioning my abilities and the value of what I have to say. I'm not naturally that confident, and photography certainly gets me out of my comfort zone. But I'm not sure who I'd be or where I'd be if I hadn't hauled a camera bag on my back for the last two decades. Photography has been the way I've experienced life and helps me understand the world around me. It brings me huge joy and sometimes despair. It allows me to fall in love with life, with people, to see and to feel. It's taught me to be humble yet fearless and gifted me a passion and daily inspiration. I think photographers are generally quite odd, solitary characters who rely on an audience to be heard. Perhaps I'm quite odd and I'm not sure where I fit, but a camera has been a constant friend and one that helps me find my place in this world. Over the next few weeks, um, universities, art schools, colleges, schools are going to be filled with young people starting out on that journey to explore photography or perhaps to progress their, their understanding and learning. I think what Venetia said there to me is a manifesto uh, of understanding of that journey. And I'm certainly going to be playing what she said to the students I'll start teaching again uh, come the end of September. Maybe you'll consider the same thing to play what she's saying. It picks up to me so many themes that I constantly talk about. And I've got to be honest, quite often I'm kind of ridiculed for putting these things forward. But I keep doing it because... One, I know that I'm not alone in, in this belief and in these beliefs, but also because I know it to be true. So there you've got a photographer who's working on personal projects, who's happy to accept advertising work, is talking about that that journey in the beginning, that, that kind of looking for platforms for the work. Interestingly enough, and again, as we spoke about last week, you know, her introduction to the world of photography, as was mine, was through magazines. So where are we now with photography? Well, I actually think that um, the gateway to photography for a lot of young photographers now is Instagram. 
Um, and that's uh, something to consider. Maybe we'll consider that in a, in a future uh, in a future podcast because I've certainly written an article about that on the UNP website. But anyway, back to Venetia. There, I think what she's explaining to us is the reality of being a photographer, the frailty of being a photographer, and that requirement to push through to look at other photographers' work for inspiration. I know that many of you are listening to this and thinking, yeah, he's going on again about the same old stuff. Maybe I am. I apologise for that. But as long as I keep seeing and hearing people uh, who feel a little bit lost or who or who are getting information from, shall we say, um, experts or, or teachers, which is incorrect. They're selling something which is very narrow-minded. And actually, what we need to be, I always say, as regular listeners will know, is we need to be really open-minded. And there Venetia was talking about shooting weddings or shooting for editorial or shooting for advertising, personal work, exhibitions, personal practice, the importance of how uh, book publishing, again, something we've dealt with over the summer, um, over three separate podcasts. So all of these these things keep coming together. But I think, and as you're going to find um future podcast where we've got some really great not that we haven't had great people before but we've got more great people joining us every week through the rest of this year and there's no doubt that these themes that have evolved and have developed will become even more sort of concreted into an understanding of what photography is anyway that's kind of where we are with all of that kind of stuff now, I think, as we, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's been uh, great to have been joined by a sponsor this week. And uh, that sponsor was the Bauhaus uh, Square Triangle Circle. If you don't know what that means, check it out. But we're going to end with a word from our sponsor this week. As always, with all of our sponsorships, no money has changed hands. The mind is like an umbrella. It's most useful when open. Walter Gropius said that. Take care.